everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Miller, joined, as always, by an absolute rock star, Ian Cummings, my co-host. And today we are going to be talking about the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Bowl, okay? The two big bowls, and there are other bowls, but we really like these two bowls. It's where all the biggest names end up going. And listen, Shrine Senior Bowl, there is obviously a rivalry between the two. They are taking part, uh, taking place pretty much at the same time. Uh, I believe the Shrine Bowl game is on Thursday, and then on Saturday is the Senior Bowl game, if I remember correctly. It's like February 1st and February 3rd. They're always fighting, jockeying for position and seeing who they can get. We used to see Shrine guys get called up to the Senior Bowl. I don't know if that's really the dynamic that we have anymore because there are some big names at Shrine this year. We're going to get to all of that. But first, as always, I have to ask, Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, and I can I can tell you and all the listeners can probably tell you're doing very good as well. He got to watch five hours of tape yesterday, so that's like Dalton, you know, getting an extra shot of coffee or whatever. That's what he needs, right? So that's 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 the fun stuff. But yeah, there's three bowls I like: my Chipotle bowl, the Senior Bowl, and the Shrine Bowl, and we got two of those coming up. So it's gonna be fun to kind of. I got I, I gotta ask because I haven't been able to go recently. Obviously, yeah. I'm a little bit far away. Last time I went to Chipotle because it was used to be a big part of my diet. Used to love Chipotle, but I feel like. Chipotle fell off a little bit. Is it still kind of falling off? Like, do I have to go and worry uh, about getting a bacterial uh, disease when I go there? Because if I don't have to worry about that, I don't know if I want it. I'll say I think it probably depends on the location for that. The location that I go to in, in mid Michigan, I've never had any issues with that. I don't think it's fallen off. No, I you know I kind of I mix things up a little bit. You know, get one scoop of chicken, one scoop of steak, right? But I think you get you mix okay, it up, okay. you kind of vary it. I think you can kind of steer clear of get falling. So in do that you ever get a little oh, bit? Uh, I gotta ask because yeah. you obviously get double meat because you say I want a scoop of chicken and I want a scoop of steak. But yeah. have you ever said you know I want double chicken or I want double steak? But what you really have to do is say, I want a scoop of chicken. And then when they're done scooping that chicken, you ask for another scoop of chicken. Because if you just ask for two scoops, they some of those some of those high schoolers are going to scam you out of protein. Anyways, we gotta get to talking football. And where exactly do you wanna start? I, I think we probably go with senior bowl first and then hit shrine last. Um, and on the docket here, I mean, we could start anywhere, but we might as well start with the prospects to watch for the senior bowl. And if we're going to be talking about the senior bowl and we're going to be talking about prospects, we got to talk about two of my favorite draft prospects in this class, two guys from Texas A&M, the Aggies defensive tackle, McKinley Jackson and wide receiver, Anaya Smith. And we can also caveat this or not caveat this, but add on to Vondre sweat. So we can talk about those two nose tackles for a minute. Obviously you put down McKinley Jackson here and you said you're welcome in, uh, in uh, parentheses. I added Anaya Smith just because I love him as a player yeah. and he's kind of that quick uh, jittery player that does really well. Usually in the one V ones that we see, but with McKinley Jackson and Tavondre Sweat, kind of the two big nose tackles in this class. First of all, I got to ask, what do you think Sweat's ceiling is? Because I watched and I saw yesterday on Twitter, somebody say that they liked his tape more than they liked Jordan Davis's tape. 
that he won't test like Davis. We know that. But liked his tape more. You shook your head. You're not there, are you? It's tough because I think, you know, Sweat's a really good player. He really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, in run defense, too, I think that's kind of where he makes his money right now is just eating up those double teams and those combo blocks. And he's got great energy in pursuit, great urgency. The motor is definitely really impressive with him. But I think just looking back to Jordan Davis, man, the I mean, the testing numbers, that's all you really need to have that confirmation. His athleticism was absurd, right? You know, that investment that you were making was unmatched. You know, that's one chance in like 10, 15 years that you get a player like that who runs a 4-7 at like 6-6, 330, 340, right? So it's one of those things where, you know, that aspect of it, I think put him on a tier above, right? And at the same time, too, I think Tavondre Sweat, I honestly like McKinley Jackson's pass rushing upside a little more, I think. I think Jackson is maybe a little more energized as a mover, a little bit more explosive, right? A little bit more compact. Tavondre Sweat is around 6'4", 340. The dude is an absolute black hole. But, you know, as as you know, as good as he is with his motor and his urgency, and he is athletic enough to be a pass rushing force, I, I think there is a little bit of a capped ceiling there. So I really like his tape. He's more of a top 75 guy for me, which I mean, if you're looking for positional, if you're adjusting for positional scarcity too, could easily see him going in the top 50. But Jordan Davis, I'm not there because I don't think he's quite that athletic for his size. So I think it's going to be really fun to see those two nose tackles alongside one another because we they have some verified measurements on those senior bowl graphics they've been releasing. And I know I sent it to you yesterday or two days ago. But uh, McKinley Jackson was around 6'1", 5'8", 320, and almost 34-inch arms. Like, if you were going to build a nose tackle in a lab, that is what you would build them like. Like, that, that is yeah. exactly how you would kind of, you know, put it together. So I think those two guys, I think they're a lot closer than people let on. I think they're both very good prospects. But I think we're going to get another, another chance to kind of split those hairs and really delineate where they stand in relation to one another today. Or at this, at yeah, the and I, I think when you – yeah, and when you look at – somebody like McKinley Jackson being that stout, it it really does remind me a little bit of Texas defensive lineman. Why can't I think of his name right now? He was with the Seattle Seahawks. Now he's with the Buffalo Bills. He's not really playing for the Buffalo Bills, but he's on the football team. Why can't I think of him? He was like 5'11". Everybody loved Puna him. Ford. I lo- Puna Ford. Puna Ford. Yep. Jeez. See, this is where my, my brain is broken. My brain is broken. Because Puna Ford was like one of my favorite players years ago in the NFL draft. Let's get to a quarterback. Let's talk about Michael Pratt because I have some opinions on Michael Pratt. While we're, while we're on quarterback, like- I feel like we should probably spend a little bit of time on the senior bowl quarterback group in general. Right? Yeah. Because sure. I think... Yeah. I like that. It's a lot of it's a lot of good quarterbacks. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you got what Bo Nix, Michael Penix. Hang on, I'm gonna pull up the full list, but I yeah, know pull up the full roster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm scrolling down here. You got and we've talked quite a bit a, a, about Bo Nix and Michael Penix, but seeing those guys there, and and honestly, when it comes down to the Senior Bowl, it's really tough to like win or lose as yeah. a quarterback at the Senior Bowl mm-hmm. on the field. It's more so what happens in interviews, yeah. and, you know, especially with them talk, speaking to teams. Um, but we've seen quarterbacks improve their draft stock on the field as well. So if you are able to go there in a situation where you are surrounded by other top tier quarterbacks and you're able to display your physical tools at a level that is a tier higher than the rest of those guys, it makes a big difference because when you're watching tape, you're not watching guys side by side. You don't get to see this guy throw and then this guy throw. You're saying, oh, well, it looks like Penix has some pretty good arm strength, but then you watch both of them throw a deep in or a deep out, 
And then you really can see side by side whose arm is more lively. So I, I think that that is one thing that senior bowl practices, um, something that's really important yeah. when it comes to being able to see the physical tools beside one another. Yeah, you get to see that zip in person and you get to compare mm-hmm. them side by side, rep after rep. So that's really nice. And the guys that we got talk about live arms. Joe Milton is there. Spencer <laughs> Rattler is there. Uh, you got, and then you have a few other guys too, Sam Hartman, Carter Bradley, two experienced passers at the collegiate level, and obviously Knicks, Penix, and then Pratt, as you mentioned. Uh, I think I got all of them. Yeah, I got all of them. But yeah, you mentioned you had some thoughts about Pratt. I know you. I, I do. I yeah. want to bring up Milton real quick. Yeah. I don't think that he's draftable. He's, he's a really fun, big arm dude. I just remember back in the day when I was there watching Josh Allen, it was a red zone seven on seven drill, and he threw a ball harder than I think I've seen anybody ever throw a pass before. It went, sailed high, Mm -hmm. through the uprights, and about 17 rows deep at Lad People Stadium. That's the type of scattershot accuracy you're going to see from Joe Milton at the Senior Bowl. It will be incredible to watch him throw the ball downfield, though. Not just because he has a massive arm, but because he can get so much trajectory on the football as well. He has... A special, special arm. Yeah. A lot of quarterbacks, you know, like they'll sacrifice velocity for loft on those deep passes, but the guys with the rockets, they can maintain it well putting that loft on it. And you see that, you know, it is something to, you know, provide as a selling point for him. He's definitely got it. I do. Um, I do have thoughts on Michael Pratt. Um, I went through four games of his this morning and I asked Twitter for the games to go through and I will go through the USC game last year and I will go through UNT this year. I, I just, I don't see it with him. Um, and it's partially because what I do see is are a lot of easy answers. There's a lot of easy answers in that offense and it just doesn't really scream to me. NFL level processor, NFL level ball placement, you know, against tighter coverage. And especially when he has to get out on the move, rolling to his right. Now rolling to his left is a little bit better, but rolling to his right ball placement and um, the velocity on his ball just really isn't there. There's times where it just kind of dies right down. There's times where it kind of floats high and outside. I think that he's a, a, a fun quarterback, especially at the college level. But I just don't know if I see the the tools that I would be comfortable with taking any day or any time before, you know, round five, six, seven. Most likely for me, it's round six or round seven. Like, I know Spencer Rattler has his flaws, but I'm going to take the physical tools of Spencer Rattler 10 times out of 10 before I do it with Michael Pratt. Just from the games that I watch. And with quarterbacks, it's the entire picture matters. How you played late matters. Um, I watched a lot of his late games. I didn't love a lot of his late games. Um, I wish I could have gotten to see him against Mississippi. Obviously, that didn't happen because he was injured. But I just I came away very unimpressed with his tape overall. Yeah, for me, it was I was a little bit, you know, I did like some of the operational things that I saw. He didn't grade in the elite tier in any category for me and that's the that's ultimately the balance that you need to kind of fine tune is like this guy is not an elite physical talent like i think he has above average arm strength sometimes but it's far closer to average than elite right so you look at that Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then you wonder, does he have enough on the operational side to counteract that? I think there are very impressive glimpses of anticipation, window anticipation, um, using the arm elasticity that he has to kind of layer pace and touch on those kind of bucket throws on the boundary, right? You know, those cover two hole shots, right? So, you know, those are there, I think. But I think, you know, expanding on that and showing evaluators side by side again i think that comparison aspect that the senior bowl provides is going to be very intriguing for him because you've got guys like rattler and milton and Penix and nicks who i think all have superior arm talent off of our film evaluation but can pratt show that he has the ease of velocity generation that zip uh side by side and can he keep the offense on schedule with that too so pratt for me has always been an early day three guy but i i do think you know this would be a good opportunity for him to maybe move the needle if he can prove that if not he probably settles into that range which is fine right i think round five to round seven maybe round four right we saw aiden o'connell go round four this past year yeah Uh, so i think that is kind of the range where teams start to consider a guy like pratt like hey if i need a really good safety blanket you know, he's very tough. He's a very good competitor, right? He's very poised. I think those things, along with his baseline physical ability and operational ability, will help him there. So uh, it'll be a good opportunity for him, for sure. But I think this QB group, I think the main thing that you're going to be looking at, Rattler has a lot to gain, not just through the play, but through interviews as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Nixon Penix, seeing them side by side, because those two guys, for the entire cycle, it feels like they've been in that same tier. Like, where do we place these guys? We feel like they could crack mm-hmm. round one. Penix, it's a little more... Uh, you know, um, complicated because of the injury history, but they're both talented. They're both experienced, both incredibly productive. Nick's was very efficient this past year. It'll be fun to see those guys side by side. Yeah. And the one thing uh, I don't want to be completely negative when it comes to Pratt, I, I did want to say that his deep ball accuracy placement uh, touch, I felt was pretty outstanding. I-, I watched him chuck probably 10 to 15 passes downfield. And I don't think he, there's, you know, something that that QB school uh, talks about all the time. It's the never in history balls um, where they're just not even close. And there weren't any of those down the field, uh, even when he was being pressured. And like you said, he is a tough guy. He can move a little bit. He's not the most athletic dude in the world, but I thought he was pretty creative uh, within the pocket. And then knowing that there aren't answers and then trying to just pick up what he can with his legs um, and being smart about not taking poor hits either. The next person on here is somebody I have not watched. Offensive lineman. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's say his Satawa Lamea from Utah. I think that's. I think I'm in the ballpark at least. So I think you are too. Yeah. Um, that's what I was going to try to say, but then I felt before I even started to say it that my mouth was going crazy. <laughs> So I, I decided just not to. Yeah, I think uh, uh, real quick, I think he's a guy. Yeah, so we got a few guys that we wrote down here. I think Lamea uh, measured in. They had the measurements on the page. It was 6'4", around 320, and over 33-inch arms. I think 33 and a half around there. So the dude is built well. Uh, he's got tackle and guard experience. He's one of those guys who's kind of in that day three, early to mid day three range right now. I think he could really work his way into day two range with a good offseason. I think it starts with the senior bowl. I think you're looking at a guy who, you know, that physical profile that he has, he got really good natural re- leverage, proportional length, and he's a pretty good athlete for his size. I think he's very explosive. I think you have enough lateral mobility, really easy leverage acquisition, staying square to his opponents and pass protection, uh, really good combative hand usage. I think the uh, force on his punches and the swats, you know, he's got that for sure. Um, and then at the same time, too, that tackle guard experience. I think he's a guy who's going to line up against anyone in one 
one-on-ones and really prove himself. So I'm really excited to see what he can do because I think in particular, you've got a lot of riser potential there. I think this guard class is decent, right? You got Cooper Beebe, you've got Christian Haynes, but I don't think there's a whole lot of volume precluding a guy like Lamea from rising into day two if he performs the senior bowl. So I think he's got the physical talent to do it. I think he's got that tenacious edge to really prove himself and stand out in one-on-ones. So I'm excited to see what he can do. He was one name that I circled like out of this OL group, you know, a lot of top end guys at the senior bowl, but I think this guy really has a chance to prove himself and kind of rise from a non anonymity. I couldn't, God, anonymity. I want to be able to say that name or say that word at the drop of a hat. I still can't yet. I got to practice. I got to practice. I'll say it 10 times in a row after this podcast here. The next one uh, that you wrote down, and actually I'm going to let you take the next three because I haven't watched a single second of any of these guys yet, but I swear I am catching up. Uh, offensive tackle, Roger Rosengarten. Running back, Dylan Lobe, or Lobe, and wide receiver, Jacob Cowing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're catching up. I mean, I think at this rate, like I'll check with you in a week and you'll watch like grit and graded like a thousand prospects. So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get going myself, but um, yeah, these are a few guys that kind of stood out to me too. Roger Rosengarten from Washington ended up declaring redshirt junior, uh, six foot six around 300. So a little bit lighter and that shows up with lacking play strength, but I think, athletically he is really going to stand out i think he's a super springy mover in short ranges really effortless explosiveness both laterally and vertically when attacking upfield really good recovery athleticism too i think he's got great proportional length i think all of the the tools are there i think the frame to build off of the physical foundation is really going to be appealing to nfl evaluators he's a natural right tackle too so you know kind of after talise fuaga you've got uh, jc latham tyler guyton uh, but after that, you know, there isn't a ton of depth at the right tackle spot. And I think Rosengarten could fill that in and be a day two guy. Uh, Dylan Lobb from New Hampshire. This is a fun player. 5'10", 208. Um, he is super fun as a runner. I mean, the dude is compact. He's kind of low to the ground, right? So he's got that natural leverage, really physical finisher, a really good explosiveness and energy stride frequencies. But he's a really good receiving threat, too. And I think that's how he's going to distinguish himself in this game. In 2023, I believe he had 66 catches for over 600 yards, in addition to almost 1,000 rushing yards. So he is very versatile, very multifaceted. And I think he can perfectly fit the modern NFL within that realm. And then you got Jacob Cowing. Uh, he's going to be a size outlier. I think he measured in on the senior bowl graphic in the 150s range, right? So that is about as outlier as you can get, right? That's at the very front of the graph. But um, Tank Dell, we saw him last cycle, and he tore up defensive backs at the senior bowl with that route running ability, with that effortless short area twitch, uh, you know, that foot speed, the agility, and the sinking ability, the cutting ability, right? You know, he can press up field at 90 degrees and just boom, he's going left. You don't even know it. He's got the speed to, you know, impact guys down the field, really dynamic after the catch too i think jacob cowling uh, he started his career at UTEP, and he was very productive at UTEP. Then he comes to Arizona, was an absolute target funnel. I mean, you can scheme him rack touches. He's a very good route runner. He's very good extending beyond his frame for his size and making those high-flying acrobatic c- catches. Uh, so I think Jacob Cowling, you know, he's a spark plug, which is a really solid play, even if he's a little a, a lot lighter, not a little lighter. But I think, you know, he's got the route running ability and the physical tools to really thrive in that one-on-one setting. So a few guys that I'm very excited to see. I think our next one is Zach Frazier. And this is one that yeah. I think we can both weigh in on because he he suffered a late season injury. I can't remember what exactly it was. Maybe it was a knee or something. But I didn't think he was going to be able to play at the Senior Bowl. And then released a video earlier this week, like doing squats and stuff. Like he's going to perform there. He's actually yeah, going to play. Yeah, I mean, play. these... 
these offensive linemen, no, I mean, and the guy played at West Virginia, so he's got to be cut from steel. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just the way that it goes. Um, and Zach Frazier, I mean, we thought he, he could fight for, for OC1 mm-hmm. for, for quite a while. I mean, a great football player with the injury. We were kind of wondering about that. But if he comes out here and he is healthy and he plays well, and an offensive line is a little bit tough at these senior bowl practices and games. And, we're going to get an opportunity to to see him up against some of the best centers in this class as well, which is going to be exciting. But I think with somebody like Frazier being able to be in those one-on-ones and to be able to show that he is healthy is going to be huge for him in this game because, like I said, we thought that he could be a legitimate OC1 type dude for a long time in this class. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the defensive tackle group that he's going to be going up against, Ruke Aroboro. Uh, oh, wow. That's rolling off the you tongue now. Absolutely Let's go. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love that. That that was such a big dopamine rush. You have no idea. Uh, <laughs> you got Tyler Davis, who's a very solid player from Clemson too. You got uh, yep. Byron Murphy the second, which we'll get to him in a little bit with our matchups. Cause you mentioned a lot of, I think all of the top centers, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, Jackson Powers, yep. Johnson, Cedric Van Pran, Graham Barton, who could be classified yep, as all such. Of all of them, man. So this is going to be a massive event for that position group, but going up against a guy like Byron Murphy, the second Dwayne Carter, Marcus Harris from Auburn is a nice sleeper with good leverage, right? 6'2", 280, kind of that sawed-off mold. Uh, you've got Darius Robinson, who's kind of a Danico Autry type. I love his upside at the next level. Uh, you've got other guys like Jordan Jefferson from LSU, Keith Randolph Jr., another really solid Illinois player. Michael Hall Jr., another very good player. Braden Fiske, who eats nails for breakfast and is going to come at you with 150%. I mean, just this entire group is a lot of fun. Justin Ebowigbe from Alabama, too. So, uh, And then Jackson, obviously, Gabe Hall. Uh, just going down the list here, but it's a lot of talent. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all you can say. It's so much. It's the absolute gauntlet. And I'm so glad that we get to see Zach Frazier take take this through, you know, all of the centers, but Frazier in particular, because he's such a sound player with his leverage, with his, you know, timing, his awareness. And then he's a really good athlete. He's got great strength and power, too. So, you know, overall, you know, people say center one, right? I think Powers Johnson, for me, edges, edges him out right now. But I do think that conversation is still wide open. And this could be a big separator. If you think that Barton is a center, would he be your center one? He's my IOL one for sure. I think, okay. um, yeah, it's it's tough, right? Because Powers Johnson is so good for his age. I, I mm-hmm. think he's got a few things that he can iron out, but really solid player, really versatile. So I do IOL one because I wouldn't want to confine Graham Barton to center on day one. Yeah. Like if you have multiple needs, play him a guard if you want, play him a tackle, right? So I don't want to move him to center right off the bat. Just as a default, I want to keep him flexible until the very end, until I know where I want to put him. But Graham Barton is my IOL one. Center one, you know, if you want to play him at center, I do think he is still that. But it's really close. I think Powers, Johnson, Frazier, uh, they're right there with him as well. So uh, it's going to be fun to see them all kind of side by side. Two tight ends that I added to the list, uh, Jaheim Bell and Theo Johnson, uh, two guys who tight ends are always weird because I, I and I talk about this a lot. It's the top guys, you know, JT Sanders and Brock Bowers. You look at guys like Kyle Pitch. You look at guys like Darren Waller or, J- or Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. Like there are in the at the NFL level, five to seven guys who are like, yo, like Mark Andrews, stud. Hmm. But outside of that, it's like, what? Well, there's going to be guys that get you 450 to 700 yards and are decent blockers, and that's about it. But when I look at Jaheim Bell and Theo Johnson, I, I look at two guys who have the physical upside to be those guys who can get you 800 plus receiving yards and be a legitimate threat. Uh, and you're, you're going to see 
Bell's name come up here a little bit later. But those two guys for me in a tight end class that is a little bit iffy outside of those top two, in my opinion. And obviously, I don't want to disrespect Ben Sinnott either. Um, yeah, come on, man. But I have not dove in on his tape yet. I've seen a lot of Jaheim Bell and a lot of Theo Johnson. And so for me, seeing those guys go up against these linebackers, go up against these safeties, and I think it's a decent safety group at the Senior Bowl as well, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's going to be a fun tight end group to kind of roll through. I think you've got a few trying to scroll to it. But yeah, you've got those guys in particular. You've got uh, Jared Wiley from TCU, who I'm a big fan of, who I think yep. could be a sleeper. Ben Sennett, you mentioned. Uh, you got A.J. Barner, who's a really good blocker in Michigan, but I think he's pretty athletic too. So, you know, I think there's some guys that could kind of sort up the board in that position group, but I'm excited to see how they filter out. But I think Johnson and Bell, um, if you're pointing out those guys, I think in particular for the modern NFL, right? Jaheim Bell mm -hmm. is a guy who took like what, like – almost 200 carries at South Carolina in 2022, I think. So it's like you play him in yeah. the H-back role, scheme rack touches to him. He's so explosive. And then Theo Johnson is another guy who's very explosive, really good contact balance too. Uh, so I think those are two guys where if you're if you're thinking about the modern NFL, just scheming touches and kind of taking advantage of mismatches, athletic mismatches, uh, those are two guys who really fit that really well. Um, my first, yeah, my first introduction to Jaheim Bell was he was out wide, uh, very left side. I can't remember who they were playing, but it was 2022. It was you know, at South Carolina. Yeah. Um, and he was playing wide receiver. And I was like, who is number zero? Mm -hmm. I was like, who is this guy? Who is, he's a big wide receiver. And then I saw him in an H back. And then I saw him at tight end. <laughs> yeah, and then like, I'm like, no, th th this dude isn't it. And it wasn't just, he streaked down the field and legitimately stacked a, a, an SEC corner. Mm -hmm. And like, like it was nothing. I was like, this dude is a legitimate athlete. And then he kind of went to anonymity. And <laughs> hey, hey, there we go. We at, at Florida it. State. Um, because Stop rubbing it in, man. Stop rubbing it in. Yeah, because but, he had another tight end on that roster who was listed as a wide receiver, but is really a tight end. Um, and oh, then shoot. Keon Coleman, who are two of the, you know, biggest passing threats in the, in the country. So mm -hmm. he kind of fell apart at Florida State a little bit but I thought you were talking take, about I thought I thought you were shading Coleman for a second tight end and then I forgot Johnny Wilson no, existed yeah no, no. Right. Johnny Wilson okay. exists <laughs> to me is massive uh Braden Fiske you've talked a lot about him you talked a little bit about him earlier just give me a quick rant on how much you love him yeah play. quick rant on these next two because we can get into matchups and we want to get some shrine bowl glass, later on glass stuff. eaters coming up yeah glass eaters coming up but Braden Fisky man one thing he gives 150 percent right so I think in these one-on-ones if you give more energy than the other guy if you're quicker off the snap if you're more violent off the snap that alone can really help you out and I think Fisky is going to be the guy who has the most motor the most unhinged motor at the senior bowl and I'm really excited to see what that does to translate Chris Braswell from Alabama was a late addition uh, but underclassmen are, you know, able to to show up there. And I think his speed to power, I mean, this dude can crunch the pocket with his explosiveness, his proportional length. Uh, and he's really good at building off of that with his hands, too. I was actually really impressed. For his age, he seems more proficient with that than I would expect. So I think he's a guy, especially in one-on-ones with that speed to power, to kind of create a little create a little uncertainty in offensive linemen and then kind of capitalize on that. I think that's a really good combination to have. So another guy who I think could keep rising with that senior bowl, but, but let's get into the matchups. We have a few specific matchups that we, yeah, I, real quick. I wanted to just touch on Braswell real yeah. quick. Um, a, a guy who he kind of reminds me of a, a lighter version, smaller, lighter version, less athletic version. And none of this is, is to say that he is bad, but 
Montez Sweat. And I say that because Sweat was like 270 pounds and he ran a 4-3. Yeah. Like, it's not hard to he's be a, he's, and less athletic, yeah. Yeah, he's a freak. Um, but Braswell, like the way that he plays, he's a little bit stiffer, but he's, you know, very, very good power player. Um, and Braswell is the guy who he's going to see the field early and he's going to be productive because, like you said with Fisky, plays with his pants on fire. Matchups to watch. Jackson Powers Johnson versus Byron Murphy the second. I don't think I've seen two guys towards the end of a college football season just absolutely explode onto the scene the way that these two guys have. Because JPJ kind of like came up early on like, oh, this is somebody to watch. And Byron Murphy has always been in the picture with that Texas defensive line. But these are two guys who have risen on boards or at least in, in the media side of things very quickly towards the end of the year. What are you most excited about with this particular matchup? Yeah, not just that, too. These were two guys who early on, like in October, November, I was watching them, right? And we didn't know if JPJ was going to declare, but like, hey, if this guy declares, like it feels like that you always have those guys who are kind of in that 75-100 range to start because obviously our perception is imperfect, right? It takes time Mm -hmm. to really kind of get up to gear on that. But, you know, I was watching him early on and Byron Murphy and thinking like, these guys are in the 75 100 range right now they could legit be mocked in the first round later on i would not be surprised and now here we are byron murphy is my 22nd overall player jpj is right outside my top 35 right so my top peer center uh so it's definitely come to fruition with them and i think what i'm looking forward to most for this matchup i think both of these guys are super dense and compact and well leveraged jpj 63 320 byron murphy 61 308 310 these dudes carry a lot of mass in their frames but they carry it well you know and i think they're both really explosive byron murphy is you know like a bolt of lightning off the snap for his size he's got really hyperactive twitch the torquing in his hands uh, but powers johnson too i mean you'll see powers johnson he will anchor guys and then he'll channel torque through that anchor from his hips and knock guys off balance from that. So I think, you know, just how combative, how efficient, proficient they are at channeling force from their hips to their arms, to their hands and just shocking their opponents. It's like when a unstoppable force meets an immovable object here. So I'm really excited to see how those two guys go at it because natural leverage, explosiveness, strength, power, physicality, uh, all of those boxes are checked for each of these guys. So I think, you know, they rotate offensive linemen and defensive linemen a lot. So I don't know how many times we'll see them one, one-on-one, but once you do like, Hey, circle that lock in, let's see yeah. what we got here because it, it, it's going to be can't miss. Speaking of unstoppable forces and immovable objects, Talise Fuaga and Tyler Guyton against Leatu Latu. I'm super excited about this matchup because Latu is such a technician and you want to see, like, he's explosive and he is bendy. Like, he's got it all. But is he explosive enough to kind of outdo those freaks on the outside that we see at tackle? Fuaga and Guyton being two right tackles in this class the ease of movement, the explosiveness that they have, and the technical prowess that both of these guys possess. I am so excited. I think this matchup and the next matchup that we're going to talk about are the two that I'm most excited about. And for me, I just I want to see the ceiling on Guyton. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. going up yeah. against somebody like Latsy. That's the thing with Guyton, because I feel like both of these matchups will provide slightly different things. I think Talise Fuaga is the higher graded player for me. I'm, I'm very that'll be a blue chip, almost a blue chip matchup yeah. when these guys go up against it. Because Latsy, Latsy, like you said, super deep bag of pass rush moves. He's got incredible hand usage, incredible counter quickness. But then he's insanely bendy at 6'5", six, 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 265. People don't really talk about that as often as they should. I still don't think they do. This dude, this dude will finish at you know almost 90 degrees around the apex, cornering, you know, kind of flattening the arc, right? He's got that ability, you know, which is such a good tool to finish reps and create sacks, turn pressures into sacks. So I love that part of his game. I think, but I think Talise Fuaga too, six foot six, three thirty, very good lateral mover, very, very athletic and, and quick out of his kick, uh, really good combative hand usage. I think the balance, the recovery athleticism, the ability to stay square and keep leverage and then just anchor and suffocate rushes. Um, he's a dominating force. He really is. He's, I mean, the run blocking, people talk to talk about that and kind of put a spotlight on that. But in pass protection too, there is a lot to like. So I'm very excited to see that. And then Tyler Guyton too. I think for Guyton, what I want to see more from him is in team drills, the run blocking. Can you maintain your pad level, right? Can you drive power through? But as a pass protector, I think he's going to really win over evaluators, especially if he can win a few reps against Latu. That will be the gridiron for him because he is very balanced out of his pass sets. For a guy who played defensive tackle three years ago, very, very um, advanced, more advanced than you would expect at you know managing his pad level, getting out of his kick, right? You know, maintaining synergy with his hands and feet. And I think just the athleticism, the flexibility on top of that too the length at 6'7 325 uh this is a guy who's really gonna awe people with how he can move with that size and i think latu will kind of be the the difference like you know we know you're athletic we know you're talented we know you've got length and power and stuff but can you stop latu latu one-on-one that is the biggest question because that will that's the proving that's the proving ground right there so i'm very excited to see if he can do that because we've, we've been seeing guyton mocked in round one for a long time now right it's starting to get more and more a good performance against a guy like Latu could really solidify that. Yeah, and it's funny. I was watching Jordan Morgan uh, the, this morning or yesterday morning. I can't remember which day it was. <laughs> but um, Latu's gravity is insane yeah. because I, they're on opposite sides. I'm watching Jordan Morgan playing left tackle, and Latu, Latu is rushing from the opposite side, and I can't help but watch him. He's just he's so aesthetically pleasing as a pass rusher. The next one I want to talk about, cornerbacks, uh, Ennis, Rakestraw. And Quinion Mitchell versus, I mean, literally just pick any wide receiver. It doesn't matter. This class is ridiculous and the senior bowl class is ridiculous. But I watched Ennis Rakestraw this morning for the first time ever. I never watched a single snap of him. I just saw Mel Kuyper talking about him the other day and I saw a little bit on him or about him on Twitter. And this dude, for me, came out of nowhere. Obviously, a fantastic football player. I'm very excited to watch him in the 1v1s. Yeah, he, he translates perfectly to 1v1s because I think that man coverage ability is really where he thrives, right? The foot speed, the the physicality, not giving up any space, right? The fluidity and the timing with his transitions upfield. Just a guy who's just a competitor, ultimate competitor, right? I think the vertical speed for me will be the biggest question. Once he gets kind of in that, in that you know, adjacent plane with the guy moving upfield, can he avoid being stacked? Because I think we saw that enough at the college level, but you look at some of the elite speed threats that are going to be there, right? I think Xavier Laquette, right? I think Malachi Corley. Uh, you look at Jaquan Jackson from Tulane, right? I think um, Ricky Pearsall has got some speed to him as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got guys like 
um, who else? Uh, Devontae Walker as well. I think Roman yeah. Wilson. A lot of speed threats that could test that, right? So if Rakestraw can stay composed in man coverage, and if he has enough speed, that's going to be the biggest thing to watch with him. But I, I agree. You know, he's a very good player. I watched Abrams drain first, and then I watched Rakestraw, and it's like, dude, this guy can really man guys up, and he's got really sticky coverage ability, very good physicality, the chippy competitive mentality too. So you love to see that. And then you got Quinion Mitchell here too, which I think for a different reason is going to be a really fun watch uh you know the talent being from a max school is really impressive mm-hmm. but the ball production the ability to play the ball through the catch point i think he's very good at getting into proper positioning with that speed that positioning that kind of spatial feel and then once he is there he's very good at converting as well so uh two guys who i think any against any wide receiver right in this wide receiver class is the perfect testing ground for that. Let's get in real quick. Most to gain. We've got two players listed. Jaheim Bell for you. Yeah. Uh, and then an FCS guy for me. Jaheim Bell, most to gain. Why is that? Um, he, 1v1s. Yeah. 1v1s, what he's able to do against those those safeties and linebackers and, and to show off his athleticism. And then for me, Willie Drew from Virginia State is a guy I want to mention. He had incredible ball production, six interceptions and 22 pass breakups this past year. Around six foot, 185, so a little bit leaner. But from what I saw, uh, the limited tape I could muster, uh, looks like a really explosive mover. I think for any FCS prospect, the Senior Bowl is a great proving ground to kind of prove you belong on the same stage as these guys athletically, right? But the ball skills, the physicality, the proactive competitive mentality uh, at the catch point, authoritative, uh, none of that is in question. So I think Willie Drew, he's a guy that, you know, not a lot of people know right now, but I think this is an opportunity for him to change that. With that, uh, let's get into the Shrine Bowl because there's a lot more prospects there that kind of fall under the radar, but it's still a quality roster. I really like the team mm-hmm. that they put together. Uh, we've got a few guys that we have to watch. Uh, if you want to start with any of the ones that you put down first, and then we can transition to, to my guys because I know I've got a couple obvious ones. Blake Watson, of course. I mean, if you've listened to the podcast, you know yeah. I've mentioned him a couple times. But uh, yeah, there's a few fun ones. I know you got the janky twins there. Um, tell me a little bit about the guys that you're looking forward to seeing at the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, so the Janky Twins, just because I haven't really seen much of their tape so yet so far, so I'm excited to just see them. Um, and then Malik Washington, Virginia, really excited to see him. Uh, I, I think that he's a really good player, and seeing him at Shrine is going to be interesting. Uh, you added Jonah Ellis. I didn't even see Jonah Ellis on the roster. So he actually thank you. just got added today. Just got that added. Was, yeah, that was a buzzer beater for me. I mean, the but, per, the production of yeah. Jonah Ellis is is historic pretty much and he has i believe three brothers in the nfl he's an nfl player he's going to play on sundays um the one that i'm excited about that you have here uh, is jason bean and you have him listed as a quarterback and he might play quarterback but that dude as an athlete is a freak yeah and it would not surprise me at all if nfl teams asked him hey can you run some routes for us because he is that athletic, and to be honest, as a quarterback, probably not going to be that guy at the next level. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of a, it's an interesting separation because not going to be that guy, probably not. But can he be a quality backup with that athletic talent? I'm of the mind he can. Athletic talent is something I really value in backups. Guys who kind of create under pressure, you know, create new opportunities for themselves and withstand adversity. I think that athleticism really helps him to do that. But you mentioned it. He's a freak. I think he hit over 22 miles an hour at one point. Uh, you know, he's going to, I think, measure in a little closer to like 6'1", 6'2", 180, 190. He's a pretty lean dude, but he is insanely explosive. He's flexible. But watching some of his QB tape, I watched him against Texas the most. And I think 
you know, that game, obviously that Texas defense, the defensive line is so good. They're going to kind of get some bad plays out of you. But I was actually really impressed with some of the flashes I saw of break anticipation, of leverage awareness, you know, throwing away from the DB leverage and man coverage, um, sliding in the pocket to evade pressure, right? This is a guy who has that athleticism, but doesn't rely on it to a fault. He's not bailing the pocket prematurely super often. I think the biggest ways that he can improve is mechanics and accuracy. But I think you're looking at a guy who has a ton of talent. I mean, just dripping with talent and then has enough pocket discipline, enough processing ability, right, to potentially be a quality backup. So I'm really intrigued. I think there's a big void. We mentioned Michael Pratt, probably more of a day three guy, right? I think after that top QB group, there's a big void uh, with guys who can go on early day three and be a quality backup, a quality rotational guy right off the bat. So I think Jason Bean, to me, I know he's very talented. I know you could play him at wide receiver, and he'd actually probably be a pretty solid investment there. But I also think if you need a backup quarterback who has the talent to withstand adversity in spurts, right, I think this guy is near the top of the list for me. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him gain a little more respect in that regard because I think there is actually something there. All right. And then do you just want to talk about Blake Watson for a minute or two? Yeah, let's just do it. Let's just do it. I'll try to keep it to a minute or two and not five minutes because we are running out of time here. But uh, Blake Watson, yeah, I've been a big fan of his for a while. Uh, Started his career at Old Dominion and finished it at Memphis. Uh, But super, really quick. I mean, versatile player, again, around 5'9", almost 200 pounds, really good contact balance. Not the most explosive runner, not great speed. But I think behind the ta- between the tackles, right, in congested areas, very agile, very fluid hips, very good creative instincts and vision. And then at the end of the day, too, the route running ability, he can split out wide, he can play in the slot, he can run routes. He's got a very full route tree and a very good receiver beyond his frame as well. So we go back to Dylan Law. I think Law might be a little more explosive, definitely a little bigger. But I think Watson is a really good option late on day three if you're looking for a guy who can come in right away and be utilized in a lot of different ways. And kind of provide that change of pace as a runner so big fan of his uh, a couple more that i've got down here jamri chroma defensive lineman from i think james madison this dude is going to measure very well i think he's around 6'4, 270 280 he's got really long levers for arms really positionally versatile and produced at a massive clip this past year good explosiveness good flexibility for his size one of those all-encompassing defensive chess pieces on the line who i think has the power element to drive the pocket kind of push blockers back and kind of cave in for quarterbacks and make life difficult for them uh another one jarius monroe cornerback from tulane 6-2 over 200 really good size explosiveness player i think watching him on film you see him trigger downhill and run plays and you know short completions and he's got legitimate burst in his shoes um he's really really high energy player for his size really competitive really physical uh, at the catch point and in support right so i think a guy who's got some coverage variability to him as well can play zone can play a little bit of man uh, i'm uh, curious to see what he does at the game and then i got jonah ellis as well i feel like just, we just got to mention him again because you mentioned it he's got some nfl lineage i think caden ellis was for the falcons a linebacker this past year so yes. jonah ellis is around 6'2, 245 250 Really good proportional length, really good bend and burst um, in active hand usage. I think for me personally, he could be a day two guy just with his ability to win around the arc. He's explosive enough for sure. Um, but I think this could be a good opportunity for him to kind of prove that he can dominate in one-on-ones because the, the Shrine Bowl offensive tackle group isn't quite as high level as the senior bowl one. So I think looking at that aspect of it, there's a big opportunity for Joan Ellis to come in and say like, hey, I am that guy. So I'm excited to see what he does there. Um, and then we got matchups to watch for the Shrine Bowl. Any of these, we got a few listed any of these stand out to you in particular? I know there's 
a few top end guys on the roster who could it, it depends on if they play we don't know if they're going to play last year zay flowers played for a little bit but sometimes guys kind of sit out and just take interviews but um let's operate with the assumption that they could who's kind of catching your eye here yeah, for me, I have two matchups here. Edge, uh, rusher, Xavier Thomas uh, versus offensive tackle Caden Wallace from Penn State. Um, mostly just because Xavier Thomas was such a highly rated recruit. He was the number, you know, four or five recruit in the nation back in 2018. It seems like forever ago. But if he can show why he was that, uh, it will be very interesting. And then tight ends, McAllen Castles from Tennessee. And then obviously JT Sanders going up against linebacker Edrin Cooper in one V ones. That's what I'm excited about. I like that a lot, man. Edrin Cooper, that athleticism, but McAllen castles too. back to his days at UC Davis. I think he's a very smooth athlete. I think we saw that in flashes at Tennessee. Um, definitely a guy who I think is a big sleeper in this class. So my two matchups very quickly. And again, it depends on if they play, but uh, Christian Mahogany, guard from Boston College versus defensive tackle Leonard Taylor third. Don't know if Taylor is going to play because he's potentially a first-round guy. Maybe he just wants to do interviews and preserve his health. But uh, super explosive. I think at three-tech in particular, you're looking at a guy who can win quickly, win violently, right? He's got that strength to him, that lean strength as a six-foot-three, 305-pound guy. Super explosive, super agile as well. And then Christian Mahogany, just a road grader, just a – a six foot three, 320 pound block of, of rock, right? So I'm really excited to see that one. And then you got Malik Washington. I think against any corner is going to be very fun because he's a really good route runner. He's a really good conversion threat over the middle of the field. But Bernardo Green is one for me who should get a little more credence here because he's really, I think he's athletic enough. I think he's got good size. He had 11 pass deflections for Florida State this past year. Really good man coverage guy. He will smother you. He will compete at the catch point and in man and press man. So very excited to see that one. But overall, I think both rosters, the moral of the story is uh, don't look away because there's a lot of talent to take in this uh, this coming week. There is going to be so much talk, so much hype around these two games this upcoming week. I'm super excited about it. I'm super excited to get back and maybe talk about some of the stuff that we saw from the Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl. Uh, we don't know uh, how much of it we're going to be able to see, but I am so excited to continue talking about draft prospects this year. And that's all we got. We got to get out of here. As always, guys, remember that I love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.